Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I am so glad that you're here with me. Can't you see I'm improvising this song and I don't know why it's going so long. Hi, guys. You know, I actually, I, my musical improv skills have really gone in the toilet. Hey, what's up, Jeffrey? Cody, hey. Thanks for sending a request. I'm going live as part of Allison's Wonderland right now with the one and only Ellen Sue. So we're going to set that up right now. So we're just waiting for Ellen to rejoin the live. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to just jump right into the interview. Do I have a cameo page? Yes, I do have a cameo page. I've been doing some really awesome videos, a couple birthday videos lately, and some other things. So you can always find me there through cameo. Glitches are far balloons. Let's see. Ellen's not back yet. Hey, you guys, Carlos Alizaraki is on the live. Carlos was my special guest a couple weeks ago. He is one of the most amazing voice actors of all time. So go ahead and give Carlos a follow. I'm sure you guys are probably already following him, though. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to join again. And hopefully it'll go off without a hitch. Fingers crossed. It's so good to see you. Good to see you, too. Sorry for that hiccup. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No worries. First off, thank you so much for coming on and spending your Wednesday evening with us. You're in New York, right? Yeah. I am. In, I'm actually uh, working from Michigan right now, Detroit, in outer Detroit, um, oh. visiting some family. But, yeah. Well, we appreciate you taking your travel time to uh, sit and chat with us. <laughs> yeah, I know we've been trying to get this set up for a little while, and I'm so glad we could finally make it happen. Thank you so for much. Sure. So you are the New York City co-lead of the An Women in Animation? Is that true? Yes. Yeah, that I've, I've been volunteering with them for a couple of years now. I started in event management, you know, coordinating presentations and panels, and just recently, maybe like a year ago, join co-lead leadership of the chapter. Very exciting. Yes. It's so funny because you hosted a panel, I, I think it was probably about a year ago. And yeah. I think it might have even been one of your first panels. Is that right? Do you remember? Uh, wait, which one was? <laughs> I've done a lot of at this point. It was Bubble Guppies. Mary oh, Hansen yes. With Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. That was... It was super informative. I remember I was just going to tune in for like 30 minutes and then I was going to go, I had to go to an audition or I had to go somewhere. Yeah. And I remember just needing to keep the, keep the interview on in my car and, <laughs> you know, continue on my path and listening because it was so informative. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I love to do very specific, very informative presentations. You know, I think, yeah, it's, and on top of hearing, you know, somebody's journey and adventure, it's just like getting those specifics on how I could think to use other people's wisdom and incorporate it into my own life, I feel like is really, really useful. A hundred percent. And also getting to feel someone's energy and getting, you know, obviously Mary Harrington, you know, the, in development at Nickelodeon, we've heard, we've heard her name, those of us that work in animation. She's mm -hmm. definitely been somebody that I've admired for a long time, but that was the first time I'd seen her and gotten the chance to hear her speak. So <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Glad you were able to tune in. 
Yeah. For those of our viewers that might not know about women in animation, can you tell us a little bit about the organization? Yeah. So it is a nonprofit organization. Everyone on the board, everyone running the chapters, we're all volunteers. And the overall goal is to promote and support women in the industry, including those that are trans women as well. And I mean, you don't have to be a woman to join. We do support, you know, everyone in order to reach equality and 50-50 gender representation, you know, you need both sides. So um, definitely it is an inclusive organization. We do two of the major things that we do is a scholarship every year. So money as well as software sponsorships and mentorship circles, which is huge. We have industry professionals from directors, executives, agents, animators, all of them taking on mentors, showing you an inside look of the industry. And I will actually be doing a circle this fall as well. So those are major things on top of all the very informative panels and presentations that we do. You'll be the, the men- mentor? I will be a mentor. I'm taking on mentees. My circle is specifically focused on like a recruiter's guide to getting a job. And it's open to, you know, juniors and seniors because artists of all experience levels, I think from my side of the table, have experienced trouble getting the job because Mm. of some really basic things like your resume, your portfolio, your website setup, and how accessible everything is. So just just from what I've experienced as a recruiter and helping mm. people. Yeah. That's so interesting. What made you want to get involved with women in animation? At first, I mean, I like helping. Yeah. Uh, I've always kind of been involved in activism and stuff, but I also saw women in animation as an opportunity to learn about things I wouldn't have access to, which I feel like you're also doing with your IG Live. You know, like you're interested in somebody's story, you invite them to talk about it and you learn such valuable information when you speak with these people. And so that was like my draw to volunteering for the panels and presentations, you know? So like, I was like, ah, I want to learn from people like Mary Harrington, you know, like Uh, I have all these questions and specific things and it gave me an opportunity to to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a member of women in animation for a long time. I think my membership may have lasted, but it was one of the first organizations I found moving to Los Angeles and wanting to get more active in animation. And it's also so cool to be at an animation event and have it be predominantly women, because as you know, the numbers are not quite 50, 50 yet. Do you have the data on, approximately what what the breakdown is uh, between males and females working in the industry? I think the statistics I last saw on our website, we were maybe at 25 uh, to wow. 75. The, the thing though is that it is quite limited in like the data is coming from the Animation Guild. So that doesn't, you know, accommodate or, or take into account people outside of the guild. But I, I'm happy to report that Titmouse Vancouver hit 50-50 like three years ago, you know, and we are, yeah, we are working active, actively in New York and LA to get that going as well. But I honestly believe it's it's just a matter of time. <laughs> For sure. What do you think is the most satisfying part of working for an organization like that? I mean, my approach to to stuff like this, to to we a nonprofit and mentorship is like, you know, I grew up kind of not really having 
mentors or, or parental guidance and, and, you know, people to really give me the answers when I was young. And mm -hmm. most people, when they're in that experience, they either go like two ways, like they go like, ah, fuck it. And then like, you know, they got to figure it out on their own or they go like, I never want anybody else to like suffer the way I have. And they're really, really open about, you know, like helping others and, and sharing their knowledge. I think most people are like that, you know, and it's really satisfying to be able to help others. I think that kind of stuff kind of led into recruiting as well, because I was so active in helping people connect and network and, you know, saying like, hey, you should apply for this job. I think you'd be really good at it. And that just kind of linked into like recruiting. I'm able to do that for people. Yeah. Now, I was curious when when you started to get bit by the artist bug, were you doing art at a very young age? I was. Yes, I was watched. I was coming home from school watching Toonami. I think the, the biggest influence was Sailor Moon, but I watched like all of it, DBZ and, you know, ruining Kenshin and whatever. So I was really big on that. And I would come right home open this pink sketchbook that I had and just draw everything I was seeing on TV. So like other people maybe went outside and played. I was like at home watching TV and drawing pictures. Where did you grow up? Where was home? New York. So Queens, New York. Yeah. And uh, that was like elementary school and it just kept going. So never really put it down. And so from there, did you, did you choose, did you go to college? Did you go to an art school or? I, I went to, uh, it was a high school called LaGuardia um, yeah. High, and it's the Fame School. The, so the Fame School, yes. So I went there, and I did major in art there. Then went to School of Visual Arts, which was amazing, and it was a great experience. I actually went into 3D animation. I studied 3D animation because my dad was like, if you're going to go into art and you need to make a living, you have to go into 3D. That's the future. And he's not wrong. And I do, I did enjoy 3D for a while. I like got an internship at Pixar, you know, but shortly after graduating and our film doing really well, I realized that I wasn't happy kind of doing the technical problem solving necessary to 3D. And I was just getting frustrated. I realized like, what I was really passionate about was drawing in Photoshop. And that was when I kind of revamped my portfolio, started over, you know, building my networks and went into 2D animation and 2D design. And for five years, very quickly kind of landed in a directing position. I guess I was able to kind of, you know, that aspect of recruiting talent, bringing people together, seeing where they fit and putting a project together kind of all ties in with directing too. Yeah, and I directed commercials for like five years, <laughs> you know, before joining Titmouse. And so, well, first I want to just know, was high school amazing? High school were they was singing pretty in the hallways? Amazing. Was it, I mean. They were always singing in the hallways. There was <laughs> dancing in the hallways. There was, there was that famous Halloween parade where we just like take up the whole block and everybody was so creative with their costumes, of course, art right. school. Yeah, and it was really interesting, you know, like to be in an environment that it, it like sports and cheerleading was not the like, top tier, you yeah. know, like everyone just had their like passion and it was such an, an amazing environment. 
Yeah, it's like when the arts are normalized as, you know, worthy and relevant as opposed to, you know, so many public schools are cutting arts programs. And so those are sometimes the first thing to go. And then you're in this environment where everybody is creating and feeding off each other's energy. I feel like that just must be such an inspiring, an inspiring way to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I was able to go to a place like that. So I, I love, 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 love your artwork. We get to work together someday. I just, I mean, I followed you. I remember from the women in animation and then just seeing your vision. I mean, there's something, I don't want to say feminine about it, but I don't know. It just, your style really um, appeals to me. So I was wondering, did it take you a long time to kind of, and I've seen you have different, a variety of different styles as well, but sort of some of the more personal work that you post here on Instagram, did it take you a long time to evolve that? Yeah. I mean, you know, as I said, as a kid, I didn't really do much else besides live in front of a computer, which might not be the healthiest. But like I, one thing that was really, I did greatly from and I was very, was my father used to be a fine artist in China. And he came over and he had to do that thing with pay the bills, got to find a job. And he couldn't keep up the fine arts. So he went into print printing. So like they, they, he joined a company that did like, you know, advertising posters and stuff like that, graphic design. And and they had to learn Photoshop. So when I was in middle school, my dad set me up with the, one of the cheapest tablets you could get, digital drawing tablets and a bootleg version of Photoshop. And I was able to practice since middle school. So like, by the time I hit high school, I was pretty advanced. By the time I was in, you know, college, I was also very, very advanced. And the things I did for fun online as a kid was like, hit these online forums like Gaia online or or whatnot, and sell commissions. And so I would just like, yeah, draw people's characters and stuff like that. And kind of like that, that built, yeah, the foundation. Wow, that's amazing. You're like a little Photoshop. Yeah, it's it takes a long time, I think, for a lot of digital artists and a lot of artists that are like, you know, starting out now, you know, we are so passionate about diversity and inclusion and, and helping groups get into the industry. And unfortunately, one of the things is mastering digital artwork takes time. And if you're just starting out, it's going to take some time to develop a good, clean line on the tablet, but just keep practicing. Yeah, that's so true. Funnily enough, when I was in school, I, my major was new media. So media production and design. And I, I bounced around. I was very interested in, I was radio and visual media arts. And I ended up landing on new media, which is funny because I guess it all kind of is what comes together through the podcast and content creation and stuff. So I guess I did end up using my degree, although primarily (laughs) I am a voice actor. Um, But I loved learning all those programs and just being able to use create to have the freedom once Mm -hmm. once you got the the skills to then be able to create create that way. And I certainly don't have that skill anymore. But but you're right, it does. it It takes a lot of digging in and it takes this technical thing that you know, I didn't have a computer growing up. And when I first started at school, I was like, 
I really like computers. <laughs> computers. And then I, I got stuck randomly on the digital culture floor with like a bunch of amazing people who became my lifelong friends that were total computer nerds. And I was like, oh, create this is just another tool for creativity yeah. once you learn the technical aspect. So yeah, I mean, do you did you ever find that I guess because you started so young that was probably not so much of an issue. Do you, but do you find some artists have a tough time making that transition? Yeah, well, I mean, that was me with 3D. <laughs> you yeah. know, like like while I in my mind and in Photoshop and in drawing, I have that artistic sensibility to create a pretty picture and I can get to it using the 3D software. I think you know, certain things that just not my forte and not my interest. And if you do run into that, that's something to think about, you know, like always like to really excel at something, you have to have that passion to push through all those, that technical difficulty, the learning, the program. Some people are like super motivated and super interested in picking it up, you know, and some people's strengths are elsewhere. So I definitely get it. <laughs> like the struggle of like, oh no, learning a new program. Yeah. It also seems like you're really a people person too. I don't know how that happened. I do love talking to people and meeting new people and like hearing everybody's stories. You can learn so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that that has informed your choice then to take on this position as artistic recruiter? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a couple of things in terms of going into artistic recruiting. It was testing out something that I was curious about in what recruiting would be like and, and how to help productions in that way, in, in that capacity. And also being able to like meet so many new people. Like I'm interviewing directors and board artists and artists that have worked on the shows that I grew up on. And that's just freaking amazing, you know? So like, yeah. it's um, pretty awesome. <laughs> So for those um, those that might just be joining in, my, my name's Allison. This is Allison's Wonderland. We're a weekly podcast where we interview people that work in animation and video games. And we're live today with Ellen. And uh, Ellen is a digital artist as well as the and director as well as the artistic recruiter for Titmouse Studios. Can you talk a little bit about Titmouse and, and what they're best known for? Some of the projects that you guys um, are currently working on? Yeah, so Titmouse has so many, so many projects. And hi, Casey, nice to see you. Casey is one of our very, very talented storyboard artists oh. on the show Legend of Vox Machina. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I think what's amazing about Tim Mouse is we do shows from all over. We do like pre-K shows, kids shows, adult comedy shows, adult drama shows. Like, so we're all over the genre spectrum which is kind of rare you know sometimes a lot of animation studios just do one like we only do kids shows you know arlo did you guys do arlo the alligator we did that yeah is. so I some of the projects arlo definitely big mouth star trek lower decks metal ocalypse archer yeah so many so many different shows baby shark we're animating on and yeah legend of vox which is a huge dungeon and dragons series yeah Yes. But you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about that? Because that is just one of the most amazing stories that I've heard in animation in the past couple of years. I will say that I'm not an expert, but... We got to get somebody I, on. Yeah. But I, I would just say that it is amazing at this point. You know, there are so many great storytellers out there that might traditionally, you know, Hollywood might not take a chance on them. Mm -hmm. And it's just great that we have a venue um, or avenue to get funding in that way, because it costs so much money to make a cartoon series. 
so much money. And yeah, I'm, I'm so excited that that was a success. <laughs> and yeah. there's no better place for it because Chris um, Pranofsky, our owner, is a huge D&D fan. So. Oh, that's so perfect. Yeah. And so what was it that made you decide to seek out or, you know, or accept that position? Was, was there something that a changing point for you? Yeah, I think after five years in directing commercials, I was just kind of feeling my growth plateauing and I was kind of tired of burning myself out for commercials, which, you know, yeah, it's a commercial. It's not going to change the world. And I think stories are so important. You know, like the stories I grew up with, the, the shows I grew up with, that kind of informed who I am as a person today. And that's where I wanted to get into. But I had no idea about the industry, about what the roles were like. My experience in commercials don't translate directly into recruiting. And I don't, I didn't even know like where I would be happy, where I would fit. So after applying to a couple of gigs, like character design and whatnot, this recruiter position came up and I just stumbled across it on LinkedIn. My qualifications all matched perfectly in that like, I actually have experience in animation, that I have an artistic eye, and I was really good at public speaking. And all of that in animation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and all of the work I was doing in my free time connecting people for volunteer work, I realized that I could do that for my paid work. Like that could be my daytime job. And then I could save my hours outside of work for my own creative project. So I have a moment to recharge from being burnt out and I get to use that time for myself. I get to connect and network with people and just see where I might be best in a year or two. Yeah, it was just a a great like birds with one stone in that it just worked out. It seemed really, it really, you know, fit for what I was looking for at the time. Hey guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Now, Titmos is primarily based in Hollywood. Is that is that right? Or with the pandemic, have we spread out all over the place? So yeah, so we have three offices. We have LA, we have Vancouver, and we have New York. And all of those locations are thriving and doing so many projects. But you know, everyone's working from home right now. Occasionally, you might have an editor run into the office to do a session, but mostly working from And so what does your day to day routine look like? It is... You know, it kind of varies. I mean, my main priority is, of course, finding talent for productions. I try to focus my time for high priority candidates first. So, you know, directors, supervising directors, art directors, finding those candidates, interviewing them. Lots of spreadsheets because I'm working with over 25 producers, I think, and their various needs at all the, you know, Whenever, every day, putting together names, reviewing lots of portfolios, lots and lots of portfolios. And then when I'm not just recruiting for artists, sending emails, reviewing portfolios, I'm also, you know, building our internal database, making sure that our own staff artists have projects to work on and move on to. And if there are, you know, career goals, like I'd love to be a director, all right? Well, let's see how we can make that happen. Let's see what project we can place you in where you Mm -hmm. have that stepping stone to move on up. Yeah. So it's kind of like recruiting in a little talent management. Fine. 
And do you feel what, how many employees does Titmas have about? Last I heard, we have over a thousand. Wow. That's a lot. Do you feel like you are familiar with most of those people or? I do not know all of them, but I do try to make myself very available. And, you know, when they reach out to me, eventually I start recognizing names and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say like if you're in a company with a lot of people, make sure you introduce yourself, you know, like and and if you have desires and you know, career goals, try to be, you know, say it out loud. So somebody knows. And, and even if you just said it out loud to one person, maybe a couple other people too, you know, you never know who's going to have that opportunity for you. Interesting. Yeah. And so, so do you have like, I'm curious also, aside from work, do you have a morning routine, a way that you get yourself ready for the day? I mean, I know the pandemic has kind of certainly put a damper on, you know, desire to wake up. Embarrassingly, I do not have a morning routine. I think pandemic has been wonderful for me because I'm the kind of person that like rolls out of bed and then like sits down at the computer and I'll get right to it. And then I kind of come alive at night. So I'm, I'm a night owl. Yeah. But yeah, I think... I, I always, in terms of staying organized with so many tasks right before bed, I always check my calendar, check meetings, make sure that, you know, I, I do keep my list of like, these projects are starting this week, next week, you know, so making sure I stay on top of And so it seems like you're recruiting, I think I maybe had an idea that it was mostly storyboard artists mm. or, illust- you know, animators, but it seems like you're really helping to recruit the whole team. Is that right? Yes. Well, my title is artistic recruiting. And so designers, storyboard artists, it also goes into some other technical roles like compositors, animators, of course. Occasionally I get into editing editors as well. But yeah, we unfortunately, I know you're a voice actress. I don't generally hire voice talent uh, or keep a database of voice talent. I think, you know, usually the network comes with that or when we hire casting directors. Yeah. Do, do you also hire animation directors? Yeah. Yeah. Animation directors, art directors, um, production mm -hmm. coordinator. So you, so you must have to have a very broad sense of everybody's role within the project and what, what you're looking for. Is that, is that something that comes from you or you, you sit down with, Chris or other people in the team, the producers? How does that? Yeah, it depends. It depends on the project. I think definitely if I'm at the very beginning and setting up a project, you know, we sit down with the producers, with the supervising director or showrunner. I have access to like scripts and pitch decks and just get a sense of like what the goal and style of the project is. Further in the production, like, oh, we need this artist to take over starting next month or whatnot, I generally like to ask, you know, who, who's a supervisor I have to talk with that is reviewing this portfolio and is going to be, you know, this person's going to be working under and what is their golden standard? I want to know what they think is the ideal candidate. And so I can match those portfolios to that. And also, you know, like it's so important for me to see visual styles too, because we all describe things differently. So like one person's epic is different from another person's epic. Uh, So show me the pictures, you know. (laughs) It's cute. My style is cute. What is cute? Right. 
Exactly. Yeah. So I need to know the specific kind of cute. Yeah. Tasker says, sounds like you do a lot. And I was thinking (laughs) that too. It does sound like you do a lot. How do you find time to fuel your, your creative, your personal projects and your, your personal creativity? Yeah, I think, you know, like seeing all the super, super talented people working at Tipmouse is actually pretty good fuel. And, you know, it's inspiring me to, and I, I talk about my personal project with colleagues and friends in the industry as well. And, you know, their interest and support in it is also like motivating me to do it. And it's really nice because, yeah, like after so many years of this idea bouncing around in my head, it's really freeing to put it down on paper. And it's just, you know, when you're developing a show and developing idea, it just takes time. And you're just going to have to like continuously work on it, edit it, throw out an idea one of these days, think about it and just revise, you know, so. Yeah. And so is that like, do you carve out specific niche time or do you more work when inspiration hits you? I think at this moment, it's a little bit of both. It's like generally work when inspiration hits me, but also I do have a personal deadline for myself. So in terms of creating the assets to to hit said deadline of when I'm premiering the animatic. Yeah. Yeah. And also like working with my colleagues' schedules and availabilities. Yeah. Raku Star says, you're super talented. Ah, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Thank you. Guys, I so appreciate everybody that's um, tuning in live. If you guys have questions for Ellen, we're going to save a few minutes at the end um, for questions. So go ahead and drop them in the box down at the bottom. So Ellen, a couple people were asking sort of our, our is Titmouse currently seeking artists? And how does somebody put in an application? Yes, we are definitely seeking artists. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll always say check out our official jobs website, which is, you know, go titmouse.net, careers and all the active postings are there. Those include lots of editors. We are seeking lots and lots of editors. Vancouver is seeking animators, compositors, After Effects compositors. There are a couple of design positions open as well, background painters, character designers, although we might be set for that. Yeah, the thing with the design positions like background and character, those fill with so many can like one listing has 700 over 700 applicants right now. Yeah, so it's like, I can say that there's a character design position, but I guarantee you like, we'll probably go through 50 and already find a candidate. Yeah, it's competition is steep. Wow. And uh, are these, the candidates, I mean, it probably runs the range, but are these generally people that went to school for art or artists? Are these people that have already worked in the business or are looking to break in? They, I mean, yeah, all over the place, there are people that have been working just started working students it's anywhere it depends on the position generally like i would say if it's not a supervisor role it's like skilled relevant artwork is enough to get you a a job and you don't have to go to art school to get that skill right we hire people from all over the country and all over the world that never went to art school never went to college And it was just something that they practiced in their own time, developed in their own time, and got to that skill level that makes them a hireable artist. So you do not have to pay crazy expensive tuition fees to gain the skill, guaranteed. Thanks, YouTube. Yeah, I mean, YouTube has been crazy. Like, so much information out there, so much information on the internet. So, yeah. 
That's amazing. So then what types of, what does an artist portfolio look like? What, what's included? Oh, yeah. So generally, you know, like if you want to do character design, for example, definitely have some character designs on your portfolio. I like to recommend like, what is your dream show, your dream job, right? And this applies to any kind of artist, including voice actors um, and actresses. I would say like dream show, dream kind of voice or whatever, or design style and do some personal projects inspired by it. So let's say I want to work on Steven Universe, design some characters that feel like they fit in that world, you know, and, and those personal projects can really help you get your foot in the door. Yeah. And, and there is so much opportunity, I think, just with the way communities are building online to be supported and find your people yeah. and share your work whether it's Instagram or TikTok or DeviantArt. How do you see people are sharing and, and building community now in the artist space? Yeah, so I think Discord really took off. Yeah, Discord really took off, like, especially with the pandemic. Before it was already pretty great, but I'm seeing colleges and students kind of creating their own little discords and like, They'll share notes, they'll work together. There are other communities like WIA has a Discord server where we're sharing job postings that we find giving portfolio advice and reviewing, you know, each other's art, sharing each other's art. There are huge uh, conferences, art conferences like Lightbox Expo. They have their own Discord. So check out Discord. There's, if you're interested in something, there's a community for it on Discord, I guarantee you. <laughs> I realized that I, I'm on Discord, but I hadn't realized that the communities were public, that there were any public communities. Yeah, yeah, like Lightbox is public. I mean, you might have to like go to an organization or a group's site uh -huh. the link. And okay. then there are also some public groups on Discord that you can search up as well. Oh, gosh, it's so tiring to keep up sometimes. I know. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you have any other hobbies, things that light you up, things that you like to do? Yes, things I like to do. I love listening to audiobooks. So yes, voice talent, amazing. You know, that like audiobook, is so great to just wind down and also consume a lot of media that inspires future ideas. You mm. know, like I think yeah. if you want to tell stories, you're going to have to listen and read and watch a lot of stories. And then actually I liked, uh, I, for a little bit, I started a jewelry company and I was designing my own jewelry and that was really, really cool. Tell us more <laughs> about that. Oh yeah. So I think on my Instagram, there is a link. It's like, it was called Pikachu NYC. And I love, like, I love fashion. I love jewelry. And that creative bit of like, I want it exactly the way I wanted and nobody's yeah. doing it. So let me just make my own. And, you know, with, with my experience in 3D as well, I was able to like model the jewelry that I wanted in 3D, get it 3D printed, cast and set with stones. And it was just thrilling because I'm working in a digital space and then suddenly I have a tactile actual like thing that I can yeah. like take home with me or like wear and it was awesome yeah I got too busy and I couldn't keep it up and keep up with orders anymore so I gotta just do it for myself now okay so there's it's not online or available at this point it's online if you see something on my Instagram that you really want you can send me a message <laughs> Okay. But yeah. yeah. Wow, that's so cool. I feel like I wish you lived in LA because we would just totally hit it off. We'd be like crafting in the backyard, <laughs> <laughs> movies together and like talking about art and stuff. Yeah, awesome. well, maybe, maybe one day I'll be in LA. Yeah, you know, 
it's it's warm here. Yeah. Gosh, we've covered so much. This is really super interesting interview. I always love getting to know somebody and hearing more about about you and your story. Why don't we go ahead and throw it to the audience and see if they have some specific questions? Let's see. Yeah. Got a couple in the box. That's the wrong box. All right, here we go. <laughs> Great. So the first question is, what do you like most about working for Titmouse? Hmm. I think what's amazing about Titmouse is like, even though we're so big, we've got like over a thousand employees and it still feels like a small family. Like Chris, the owners, Chris and Shan Shannon, they're still like really active. You know, they'll send like a weekly update. They'll host like this Friday raffle event and like just speak to all their artists and they're really accessible. So it's just pretty awesome, you know, and I feel like all the upper management like genuinely cares. They're constantly trying to improve, you know, the situation for their artists. So that's just what I love to see in a company, you know, so it's, it's really nice to end up there. And don't you guys have like a big smash party? <laughs> You know, yes, it is the infamous smash party. Um, Can you tell everybody what a smash party is? I don't know. Or it, the thing about smash parties is you can't talk about smash parties. I've never been to one. Okay. So I can't wait until this pandemic ends and we can get back into the office. Yeah. But there have been incidents of getting a bunch of stuff like monitors and stuff and just smashing it. And you smash it with like... Yeah, and it's just such an amazing like anger venting. I did it in New York and it was pretty great. We did, we hosted a virtual one, I think in like Second Life this year for our five second animation day. But you know, it's not the same of smashing like something physical. It's not as gratifying. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, ooh, yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, that's so funny. Okay, let's see. Do you guys, does Titmouse have, have interns, especially now with the pandemic? How, how does that mm -hmm. work? Yeah, in the past we have. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic and with the remote situation, it's been difficult for productions to figure out like the security stuff mm -hmm. with interns. So it's been a little bit slow on restarting that. Although, because I am able to, you know, take on a workload and be responsible for whatever, I'm taking in an intern this fall. Yes, and it's going to be a recruiting internship. And I've never heard of a, another recruiting internship before. Essentially, Ellen, she her own way. But essentially, you know, I've learned so much about the industry and about what position, you know, all the qualifications needed in each position. And I get to see what supervisors are saying about portfolios, right? They, I get to hear that feedback. And that's such valuable information. And you can learn so much from that. So that is an internship that I am hosting. You do have to be in a graduate or undergraduate program, a student, in order to qualify. But there is so much great information and networking opportunity to be had with a recruiting internship. Yeah. And I think that that is not just a Titmus thing, but that is a, a, a government thing that is from the federal government that you need to be a currently enrolled student or affiliated with a college to do an internship. But let's see, I saw another. Oh, also, I just wanted to say that 
Wonderland is just, we're just interviewing Ellen today and interviewing the guests. So just to clear that up, we're only going to go live, the two of us. Every week, this show is just about really deep diving with a different guest. So I know you guys are super interested. I know we don't interact as much with the timeline because we take the audio and repurpose it as a podcast, but you guys are welcome to chat amongst yourselves. And I I try to keep my eyes posted for any questions that might pop up. Like Jim Mm -hmm. Tasker had a really good question and I'm going to broaden this up personal work or work affiliated with Titmouse, but what project is your proudest accomplishment? Ooh, I, I think with each project, you know, I, I learned something new and I develop a little bit better. So, I mean, in terms of the last project personally, that's public is the Nickelodeon introduction to their feature production. So Essentially, we were hired to direct the little cinematic intro that plays in front of all Nickelodeon features now. And that was played in the newest SpongeBob movie. So that was really exciting. I got to work with some really amazing talent and like flex some of my camera composition layout skills, you know, and cinematography. And yeah, it was it was really a great experience in terms of like stuff I can't show. I'm so excited uh, about this series I'm developing, which is, you know, about Asian American characters and about Buddhism. And, you know, there's such so many great lessons you can learn from Buddhism. That's not really uh, that much public knowledge. And I think, okay, just to leave with you, leave you guys with this one tidbit, which is compassion. And what does that mean? It's not just having empathy, uh, for somebody's situation, it's taking action to relieve them of suffering. So, you know, that applies to yourself as well. if you don't have compassion for yourself and you're not forgiving yourself for mistakes or things you're seeing as failure or you don't have that, like, you know, kindness to yourself and understanding, like you really stifle your own growth and you prevent yourself from achieving things you want to or happiness or finding happiness. So yeah, it's one of the core lessons. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's funny. I was just at that and I have a bookshop and I bought my son this book and it was, it's kids stories based around Buddhist practices and beliefs. And I just bought it for him and we haven't even started reading it yet because we're finishing up another book, but that's just kismet that you would bring that up as well. And it looks like really beautiful illustration. I mean, there are just so many great life lessons about mindfulness and breath work, breath, body, soul, mind connection that come from Buddhist practice. So that would, I think that's something that the world needs. It's definitely a way to uplift and inspire. Yeah. But I feel like we should end there, but I did, I want to get to a couple, I just have a couple more audience questions that I know people are really um, sure. excited on the answer. The Women in Animation Mentor Circle can, do you take on recent grad students because the recruiter guy for getting a job says the prerequisite is a senior student. So right? it, different circles have different requirements. I think most of them are open to anyone. You don't have to be in a school or go to a school. And so, yeah, anyone can generally apply. You just have to check the specific circle. I believe we have a little bit of an extension right now to sign up for mentorship circle. So there's still an opportunity to, you just have to be a WE member, we a member or a member of organizations like Rise Up, Black and Animated, stuff like, you know, those certain nonprofit groups. I just did a voice actor panel with Rise Up Animation on Saturday, actually. Nice. I had Monica on the show a couple of months ago. It was great to learn about. Natalie asks, what 
who would I go to to pitch a show and does Titmouse help with funding? Yeah, so Titmouse, you can pitch shows to Titmouse. I think it's generally for internal artists. You know, so any artist working at Chipmouse can pitch that concept. We do have some development money to help, you know, develop ideas. I think from last I heard, we are generally focused on adult comedy ideas, but that might be different since since I was told that. If you want to pitch a show, it's going to be hard. I'm just going to prepare you guys. It's going to, it's hard, you know, like, and one of the struggles a lot of people run into is like, well, I don't have the art skills to create the graphics for it. You're going to have to find the money for it. I don't have the money, you know, like, it's just like, there's, if you don't have the skill, you need the money. If you don't have the money, you need the skill. So once you do have that and you have an idea, you can look into or literary reps and managers to see if they'd be interested in taking on your project and helping you pitch it to studios and networks and whatnot. But there's a guy called, I think it's the YouTube channel Surviving Animation. Yeah. And, um, yes. You know, Eric, right? Eric. Um, mm-hmm. Calderon. Calderon, yes. He was on, Yeah. when this show was like just an audio podcast, like four or five years ago, he was on the show. We have to have him yeah. back on. He's got a lot going on. But yes. yeah, it's his, his YouTube channel is so useful, guys. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that was, I got all excited. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then let's see, one more question. Can you, what kind of poses do you feel are the strongest for model and turnaround sheets? Very specific, Mm. but I like it. Yeah. Okay. So for specifically for like 2D animation, you do want a generally neutral pose, you know, so front quarter and then side and then side quarter and then back. Generally, if you want to do a character model sheet and you have the ability, you can do it in like Photoshop even when you're drawing it and just like make a turnaround, like an animated turnaround. You can have your spreadsheet with all those poses, you know, as an image, but then also a GIF, an animated GIF for the turnaround. And I would say that if you're gonna do that, make sure everything lines up, you know, like it looks like a clean, almost 3D turnaround with those six poses, six, five or six poses, because like if when the character flips from front to side view and their height changes or their eyes don't line up in the same space, like that's showing a lack of skill or of, you know, just carefulness. And so, yeah, very specific feedback. Yes. Great. Well, this is funny. I, I, Hunter, can you both sing the theme song? Like, Nick, 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 Nick. I'll give you that, Hunter. Hopefully that was. Yeah, I'll leave it to the professional. I want to be conscious of Ellen's time. It has been so great getting to know you. I just have a million ideas flying through my head and like a million other interviews that other people that would be great interviews. So yeah, I'm um, super inspired by your work. Everybody make sure that you're following Ellen here. The, her work is beautiful and she shares a little bit about her journey. And is there anywhere else people can connect with you? I'm very active in posting job opportunities on Twitter and uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn as well. So yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you yeah, for giving us thank that you. opportunity yeah. to chat with you. Thank you um, so much for having me. You're welcome. And Women in Animation is uh, WIA.org. Is it that simple? I think it's womeninanimation.org. Yeah. And anyone can join. 
anyone can join and they have a student student account as well. So it's a great organization. I hope you guys join. They have a lot, a lot of different opportunities and ways to get involved in workshops and seminars. So, well, thank you guys so much. If anyone's interested, I'm going to do a live over on TikTok at 7.15. We're going to go hang out there if you just want to hang out casually and I'll probably play some songs. So thanks again, Ellen, and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to Allison's Wonderland, where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpacker.com. See you next week.